transfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. Going well. Ah, it's a very, very strange welcome I'm giving you today because the weather here in Spain is, well, pretty awful, actually. Up in the mountains, it's grey. It's been throwing it down, chucking it down. The previous day was lovely and warm and sunny, as you'd expect. And we've had this strange weather for a long time now. It's almost like... You just get teased into thinking summer's here and then you're back to winter and then a little bit of spring. I mean, it's like living in Cornwall at the moment. So let's go to Don then, Wirral Merseyside, and um, tell me, Don, what is your weather like? Well, it's been okay, actually. Um, The weather's fine if you don't look at the forecast and plan to the weather forecast because they're very, very rarely right. And I went for a walk on the promenade because it doesn't bother me, the weather, one way or another. You know, I always say it's, 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 you got to dress right. That, that, it's not the weather that's wrong. It's, you got the wrong clothes on. So if it's raining, I put my wet proofs on and go out for a walk. It, it, uh, you know, I'd do it anyway. So I went for a walk. I, I saw the weather and it was a solid blue, you know, as if someone had thrown paint all over the, uh, the map on the television. And, and you, it's solid blue. It's going to pour down all day. So I put my wet proofs on, went down to the prom at Egremont in, in Wallasey, got onto the shore, sun comes out. I'm walking along with these wet proofs on, sweating bullets. <laughs> it, 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 the, the, the clouds cleared, beautiful clear sky. You know, <laughs> that's the trouble. But, um, it, yeah, it's been fine. We've had we haven't had much rain lately. Last yesterday we had a, a, quite a bit, but generally speaking, it's been okay. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, it is weird here, and I can't say an awful lot other than um, let's talk about your elections because I do believe you've had all sorts of uh, elections last week. Oh, dirty me, mate! There's nothing more boring, in my opinion. Um, the elections have been filling the news. The only thing, in my opinion, of any note was a member of the Raven Looney Party who was lined up with the other participants at the Hartlepool results coverage. Now, apparently, Hartlepool has never had Conservative in charge. It's always been Labour ever since it began. And it, it went to Conservative. Which, you know, was the news. But in the background, this fella, I'm telling you what, mate, I couldn't stop laughing. He had this top hat on, which was as tall as him. And he was about six foot two. And uh, it was just so funny, you know. But this, as I say, this is what it needs. You know, he'd have definitely got my vote if it had been in Hartlepool. He didn't get many votes as it happened. But this is what we need in the world. You know, the Eurovision, again, is another one. You know, when a plonker jumps up out of the out of the crowd and joins in with the band before the security frog march him off the stage. You know, always good to watch. You know, and uh, as I say, it, that's what livens me up. It was like, I remember years ago, the Rolling Stones, they were doing a concert 
going back a long time. And some idiot came running on the stage from the side, flat out, running flat out. And Keith Richard saw him coming, unstrapped his guitar and just whacked him across the side of the head. <laughs> and the fella just goes 90 degrees into the crowd, you know. And, and when Keith was interviewed later, he said, well, I didn't know whether he was a friend or foe. I can't take that chance. It was great. You know, that's what makes it. But this guy at the elections, mate, you should have seen him. If, if, you, if, you, if you can get it back on, a, on, um, on catch up on your telly, You'd kill yourself laughing. His hat was so, his top hat was so big. When they all marched off the stage after the results, he couldn't get under the door because <laughs> his top hat was so big. But, but yeah, because you you know the Raven Loon, he's on. You, you, well, I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll give you my take on it because basically, um, I was asked, would I like to stand for Falmouth Red Roof as the Raven Loonies candidate? <laughs> Now, we'd only just moved down to Cornwall and I didn't have £500 at the time to spend on something like that. So I had a very good friend, I still have the same friend, uh, who became the Raven Looney candidate for Falmouth Red Ruth called Freddie Zapp. And um, because obviously uh, Freddie needed an election agent and that didn't cost me any money, I was quite happy to become his election agent as Rockin' Rupert, which meant, of course, that I was uh, able to stand on the stage and get £500 worth of publicity for quite a long time during the campaign. Freddie, meanwhile, because he was on Radio Cornwall, couldn't do that uh, because they, you know, they take him off the radio while the elections are on. And yeah, there was yeah. one particular day I was called down to Falmouth College of Art and Technology where there was a big debate going on and Freddie didn't fancy doing it. So I was up at the other end of the county. I drove all the way down, got into my Rock and Rupert stuff, came into the college. Um, you sort of found, I found myself at a back door to the stage came and sat down and quickly noticed that I was sitting next to the Labour guy on my left and the Tory guy on my right. So as they were given the questions, every single time they were going towards the Labour, I would give what I thought the Labour guy would want to say as my answer. And then as it came down the other way, I'd try and work out quickly what the Tory was likely to say. And so uh, I... I preempted their their answers, every single question. And at the end, all the uh, reporters were coming over and saying, uh, we want to talk to uh, the Raven Looney candidate. <laughs> and of course, what was also funny, there were, there were people that I knew and they didn't recognise me, which was absolutely <laughs> brilliant, you know. So there we are. Um, had a bit of fun doing that, actually. I mean, I quite like going around the streets uh, because Freddie... He used to always wear a big um, hat like you've just outlined. Um, but his was a Union Jack hat. And, of course, I was rocking Rupert and uh, had all my Teddy Boy gear stuff on. So, we had, yeah, we, we got a bit of mileage out of that. I was quite happy. It's what the world needs, mate. The world needs a bit of light. It's good. They've got to lighten up now on the news. It's just, it's so bad, you know, the news. It's just so depressing. You know, they find the worst news that... 
the bottom end, you know, people ill and they're showing inside hospitals. You know, I know it's very sad, but lighten up. We need we need lifting a bit, you know, don't, don't in you, my opinion. And the, the Raven Looney's fantastic. <laughs> you know, they've got my vote. I'd have, I didn't vote because they haven't got one round here. I don't vote. You know. Well, I think the sad... <laughs> The, the, the sad thing is, it's really probably, um, it, it's like voter apathy, isn't it? That gets in these people that come up with all sorts of really ludicrous and often annoying politics. And, you know, we, we're not really encouraged to believe that it's a worthwhile exercise. I don't believe in democracy anymore. Not because I don't think it's a good idea. It's just because it never works in practice. Because if you've got a democratic vote... It always means the person that gets in has got more people against him or her than everybody uh, else. In other words, you know, if you take together, say, the Labour Party gets in, you've got the Tories, the Lib Dems and everybody else added together, usually outnumber the person that got in. So um, I came to Spain really against our system in the UK. But of course, here in Spain, we went a full year of government without a government how can you do that what is the point it means that the civil servants are running the country and yeah, it was all about yeah. you know um this um coalition stuff well a coalition's great providing you can get everybody to agree but they didn't one whole year that's that's ludicrous isn't it yeah the trouble is you've got people throwing the the the, the six penithin trying to be seen you know, it's like you have these meetings and everyone's getting up, standing up. And those, you've got to try and think of something so you can stand up and say something. That's the trouble, you know, so they can get, they can be seen. And that's, that's what it strikes me. And they just come out with rubbish, most of them, you know, I think. You should, but they're being seen on the television. So there you go. That's, that's how I see it. But it doesn't really affect me. As I say, I just go my own way, you know. Well, and, you say uh, you say that, Don, but it does, of course, affect you because, you know, for example, whoever is in and we're talking about Boris at the moment, um, you know, they, they make decisions about whether you go to war. And sometimes, y you know, you, you're thinking to yourself, hang on, this isn't a war that you want to fight. It's not it's not worth it. You know, f live and fight another day. And then something that really is important, you've got maybe the decision that they don't want to fight. It's a. It's not a very nice world that we live in at the moment. And um, really, you know, it, it just makes me quite sad that um, such bad decision making is being made everywhere. But hell, would you have wanted to have to make the decisions about this pandemic? Because I wouldn't. No, no, no. As I say, we've done well. We're, we're leading the world at the moment, according well, to the news. OK, so, well, fingers crossed, Don. I hope that everything that you have been told is right, because that's the yeah. problem. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we need right. strawberries. That's what we need. <laughs> oh, this is classic, mate. This is... I, ca I couldn't believe this. Strawberry field in Liverpool, where, and I quote... John Lennon used to climb over the wall and play as a child. That, that's, that's from them. Right. Um, he eventually wrote his famous song about it. OK, fine. Well, now you can obtain a limited edition brick from the building for, wait for it, £75. 
So 75 quid for a brick right? <laughs> <laughs> that John Lennon used to walk right past or whatever. Uh, is it me or is the world going nuts, mate? Um, it will be interesting to see. This is this is genuine. This this isn't a joke. It's genuine. It, it will be interesting to see how many customers they get from America and how they intend to post it to America. Because I've recently posted some orders for my DVDs to the USA. And they cost £4 each to post. £4 each to post. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of stopping orders from the USA. I cannot make any money, you know. And so... How much is a house brick going to cost? It doesn't bear thinking about. Imagine wrapping a house brick up and sending it to, to America. Like, I don't think they've thought this out, really. So you can get a limited edition. So don't rush Don't rush to get yours, Vince. Well, it's, the uh, thing is, Don, how can you prove that the brick actually comes from strawberry ah, fields? Well, well they, ha they have it inscribed, and there's something you have to look at. Uh, what, what you, it's sort of hidden in it, it, it it's stamped on but you, you need something to see to show it's genuine but it, you know you got a little certificate with it I think but it's, it was so what I mean it's it's the reason it is you know John Lennon used to climb over the wall and play you know he didn't actually play with that brick you know, he, he must have walked by it. To me, it's just they need to get over the Beatles. You know, Liverpool, it, it's time to move on. You know, really, everything's Beatles, this Beatles. And apparently, I heard yesterday that on the stamp, uh, I could be wrong, Paul McCartney's face is on the stamp in the corner of a stamp. The, the Queen's on it, obviously, but Paul McCartney's in the corner of it. So there you go. Well, I've just thought of a great marketing opportunity for you. You <laughs> could have a set of bricks from Clanfer Puthkin Gogogok. Uh, sell them as sets instead of four pound. You could knock the price down to two pound a brick, uh, two pound a letter. Um, <laughs> yeah. You'd make a few bob there, wouldn't you? You could say it comes from the railway station that was knocked down. Whether it. <laughs> Whether it is or it hasn't, you wouldn't that's, you wouldn't have to prove it. That, that, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> you know, I mean, joking apart, that's worth thinking about. Well, but, uh, <laughs> it's it's I don't know. It, it, I remember a mate of mine when they knocked the cavern down. He was over in Liverpool and he's walking past and, and he's he watching these fellas knocking it all down, and he, he picked because he, he'd played there in his band in the past, and he picked up a brick which was painted blue which was part of the stage wall. And he said to the builder, can I have this? He said, yeah, take it away, you know. Must be must be worth a few bob now. Yes. But, you know, but you see, they didn't know how to capitalise. I mean, knocking the cavern down was, was, was silly anyway, I thought at the time, which has been proved right, because everybody's taking photographs of the... The new, the new cavern, I think, and it's the old one. Yeah. It, I must yeah. say, um, I think you're very unkind to the Beatles, you know. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think you're winding us all up, really, because <laughs> as a songwriter, surely you must know that, that, that their songs are just timeless. There are, some there are, of them. Some of them. Mate. Some of them. Yeah, you're right. Them. Some of them are not very good, but, mean, but I do like most. Great song. 
you know, saw her standing in a great stand. You know, I, 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 but I can't. When you look at stuff like um, Eleanor Rigby, it's not the Beatles, is it? It's it's you know, it's Paul McCartney and a string quartet. See, this is my argument with it all. And they stopped playing live, and the latest stuff was terrible. And then John Lennon goes off with Yoko, and the stuff was just diabolical. But it got away with it because it's him. You see, pe- people, I've never been one that the he can do no wrong uh, set. I've never been in that set. Oh, it's, it's John Lennon, he can do no wrong. You see, I like a record. And if he makes, if they make a, a lousy record next, then I'm not interested, you know. But they, they fall for the thing, it's, oh, it's, he can do no wrong. Like Sonata was another. Some, some of the stuff Sonata did was rubbish. You know, and he was out of tune. But, oh, it's Sonata, he can do no wrong, you see. But, but that's how I see it. And the later Beatles stuff, you know, it was, it was pretty bad. You know, the early stuff was fine. Had no, no, yeah. no argument with that at all. But they're only a band. You know, there's other bands that are as good. You know, ELO, the stuff they were doing were great, lyrically brilliant, you know. But um, there you go. Well, despite all that, Don, I still think you're very unkind to the Beatles. <laughs> I know you're a big fan. I am I'm... a big fan. I love the Beatles stuff, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but never mind. Uh, when you when you whack together your white album uh, with Clamfer PG and the sale <laughs> of the bricks... Um, you, you, Murphy and the Bricks will pale into into insignificance. Okay, I've got to tell you a little story when you tell me about this um, annoying thing that you have as a uh, you're against DJs now. Poor old Beatles have taken a battering, and now it's the DJs of which I am one of these people. Go on, I'll explain when you tell me. Yeah, no, nothing against DJs, mate. Nothing at all. But, as I've said before, you know, when you make records, you see, I've got my own studio, so it doesn't cost me much to make a record. I can make a record, and if people don't like it, I've got the record recorded, or they did have, I don't do it anymore, on on an 8-track or 16-track. And if they don't like it, I can change the words and make a different song. See, I can do that because I've got my own studio, because I've got control over my stuff. But, it, you know, generally, a band has to go into a, into a studio to make a record. And it's pricey. It's fairly expensive. You know, so when, when the record comes out, what you don't need is to get a radio play and somebody like Steve Wright at the end of the record, which he's done in the past, and when the record's finished, he says, don't think so, do you? You see, that affects sales. That does no good. That, that it, you know, because people listen to Steve Wright, what, what he says, oh, he must be right because he's a DJ. You see, if you don't like the record, don't play it. Don't comment. You know, the, the, the people have spent time and money making a record, and what you don't need is the, the, the DJ to say that. And worse, where, even worse than that is joining in with the, with the song while it's being played. This was this week. This happened this week. Steve Wright, he played um, Paul Young's Every Time You Go Away, You Take a Piece of Me With You. And at the start, he said, oh, yeah. He said, when we used to sing that, we used to say, take a piece of meat with you, which, you know, we all did. We all said that when we did it. And then he puts the record on and he joins in with the record at, at that spot as, as it was coming. He says, here it comes. 
and then he says, take a piece of meat with you, during the record. You know, people want to hear the record. It's Paul Young's fans want to hear the record. They don't, I mean, it was, I suppose it could have been funny once, but he did it on every chorus. You know, it's just, you know, records, I say records cost a lot of money. You know, they cost a lot of money to make for some people, as I say. Um, and fans of artists don't want to hear a valor, you know, an unfunny DJ ruining the song. Over to you, Vince, Mr. <laughs> DJ. I was on Radio Merseyside, as you know, in the early days. Yeah. And uh, there was a song which was a Neil Sedaka song, which is a nice song, you know, and it was I Hear Laughter in the Rain. So exactly what you're saying. Every time the song sang, oh, I hear laughter in the rain, I'd go. (laughs) So so the phone went a little bit later. Now, there was a club DJ who got on Radio Merseyside called Terry Lenane. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, he was a very serious soul DJ. I just like mucking about when I was doing the clubs. I mean, obviously, uh, as you're saying, people need a little bit of brevity, something a bit lighter. And uh, so the phone goes after I'd finished my show, and it's Teddy Lenane. Why do you keep playing that laughter? Because I had this little jingle with laughter on it. You know, every time it said that, I said, that's just for a bit of fun, Terry. Would he have it? No, 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 no. He wasn't talking it from your point of view, by the way, about the cost implication. The song was a crack in the song. Now, surely there must be a slight difference, really. If you're trying to sort of show people it's a great song, just having a little bit of fun with it, not affecting the sales in any shape or form, uh, is that marginally better for you? Well, it might be affecting the sales, mightn't it? Yeah. Speaking of Teddy Lenane, mate, I only met him once, yeah. and he was telling me how he's 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 going with Sky, and and I remember him saying, "This is really going to take off." He said, "Watch this space." Never heard of him again. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my only meeting with Teddy Lenane. Well, it is really weird how your life sort of uh, you know you weave in and out of personalities and. There was Radio 5 Live and uh, a a guy called Graham Beecroft got onto Radio 5 Live. Uh, Quite a good presenter, actually. And he played for a football team. I started a football team when I was 16 called the Bohemians. Because I went to a rugby school, the only way I could get a game of football was to form my own football team, which I did do with a friend of mine. And Graham was one of our players, you know. um, And basically... uh, when I was on Radio Merseyside, I think I didn't really sort of act the big cheese. I just sort of was pleased that I'd got the opportunity, etc. But when it came to Graham, he sort of totally changed. I suppose it's because he was on national radio and he obviously was doing well. Yeah. But um, poof, went up a gear, wouldn't talk to anybody. Certainly didn't speak to me. And mm. yeah, you know, during the days when we played football together, no problem. So it is just rather strange, isn't it? You know, it is. it's it's yeah. Well, it tells you the person, doesn't it? You know, it's you see, I've I've I can't understand that because I don't really want to be recognised. I don't know what to say when the odd person, <laughs> not many of them, say, "Oh, 
I saw you, I heard your song and it's great, I love you. I don't know what to say, you know, because I don't do it for that. I do it to make money, basically, you know. Yeah. But that, that's, uh, you know, to sort of change. I know exactly what you're saying. They, they sort of change, they go big deal, and it spoils them. Well, Eddie, you know? Eddie Hemmings was a, a, a fellow presenter at Radio Merseyside, you know. And yeah. um, I, I really did like Eddie. Re- really nice guy. Lots of fun. We played a, a couple of games of golf together. Um, he played in the football team. Uh, so I knew Eddie very, very well. And uh, when he got onto Sky TV, I dropped him a line. I, I just wanted to congratulate him. I didn't want anything. I just thought it'd be nice to say, well done, Eddie. And, you know, just to give you greetings from Cornwall, where I was then living. Never heard from him or anything, and that was a shame. That might yeah. be that he never yeah. received the letter. That that's a possibility, you know. Um, but yeah. that's just one of the one of the sad facts of life. Things happen. Well, it is. You see, I remember in Radio City, I was over there doing a jingle with him or whatever. I can't remember. And Jimmy Nail came in. He he, he was in the charts at that time. Yeah, Crocodiles, <laughs> wasn't it? Hmm? Wasn't he a friend of Crocodile Dundee? Oh dear me! And <laughs> yeah, so uh, he he walks in, Jimmy Nail, and this lad, one of the staff, the young fella, said, "Can I have your autograph?" And he just brushed him aside. He said, "I haven't got time for that." You know. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. See, that's, so to me, we don't hear a Jimmy Nail. That's probably why you nailed you... it. Do you remember that one? You nailed yeah. it. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. I can't remember his name now. I mean, I never rated him anyway, but, you know, it shows them what they are, you see. And if they go through life like that, they're not going to get anywhere. Well, he was in The Boys from the Black Stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. And then, you know, the little one that used to go out with Denise Walsh? He's yeah. a, He's a comedian. He, I think he was one of the likely lads. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd always liked him as an actor and uh, I loved the likely lads. I liked um, the boys from the black stuff. He came to Benidorm and um, a friend of mine who has the Geordie bar brought him up here to make uh, a little jingle for his uh, for his Geordie bar. He came to our house and he was as sullen and as surly as anybody I've ever met in my life. Wouldn't sort of wouldn't give you a smile or anything. I probably caught him on a bad day, but that was just one of the... The trouble is, you see, you get the impression when you meet the person. And then um, I do remember uh, also a couple of years before that, or would it be after? Probably before that. He he and Denise Walsh were in a bar I was playing at in um, Albia. And I've got a few photos of, of myself with them. And yet, you know, they say they don't remember these things. I suppose that's another problem, isn't it? Because they can't remember everything. But, you know, um, it's just it's just life. You just take it as part of it. You've met somebody, yeah. the famous, and then you realise maybe they're just good at what they do and not maybe that good at being nice. It doesn't, it, see, it doesn't make you any better when you're good at something. It doesn't make you any better than anyone else. You know, it, it, I remember, uh, just a quick story, a friend of mine uh, was going out with this chap. Uh, she, she, it, no, it, it wasn't that long ago, actually. And he said to me, he, he was a carpenter, this guy. And he said, oh, I said, I wish I could play the guitar. And I said, well, you yeah. know. He said, he said, he said, you couldn't, I couldn't learn. I said, well, I could teach you, but I said it would take a while. 
And he, I said, but then again, I said, I, I can't saw a piece of wood in a straight line. I said, you know, I, I, I'd like to be able to do that. And he said, well, I can show you how to do that in about two minutes, but you couldn't teach me to play the guitar in two minutes. So he gets this piece of wood and he gets the saw and he said, saw, saw, saw that how you do it. So I'm doing it from one side. He said, no. He said, you put your eyes over the top of the saw either side. He said, that's why you can't saw it in a line. You're going off at an angle. Mm. You see, that was the difference. And I said, well, he said, so there you go. But, you know, I can't do what he does. Well, you, you're very, very true what you say, because when we have a, when we have a tradesman comes to the house... I am useless with uh, doing practical things in the house. Always have been. My dad mm. wasn't. My dad wasn't very good. We didn't learn anything like that at school. So, because of that, Anne, um, because her dad wasn't in the house when she was young, she has been. She's very, very good actually in lots of different ways. And when the tradesmen come, you know, they'll look at me and they'll start explaining something. And I'm saying, well, no, it's not really me you need to be telling. You need to tell Anne. Yeah. And they start and they then talk to Anne for a couple of seconds and then they come back to me. They always come back looking because I'm the man of the house. And yeah. I'm saying, hang on, no. And then exactly what you did when it comes to explaining and they seem to think that, you know, because you play a guitar, you, you're something a bit different or if you're on the radio, you're somebody different. Yeah. And yeah. I always say exactly what you say, you know, look, your skills are far more practical and I wish I had them. And it's like when, a, when I've got people coming to my English classes, I've got um, one guy who's a surgeon and retired now, but I mean, you know, what skills are we talking about there? And I always explain to any adults coming into an adult education class, I'm saying, hang on, don't think of me anything other than somebody who's doing a job the same as you when you were doing yeah, your yeah. job. I always just say, I'm your supervisor for learning English. Yeah, yeah, it's just a job. I'll tell you a funny story, which will lead me into the next item. Okay. This happened in the last couple of weeks. This will make you laugh. I've got a static caravan in um and in a Carnarvon <clears throat> and I pressed the the sink plug down in in the bath it's only a small sink in the in the shower room and it wouldn't come up again I couldn't get it up at all so I thought no so I ended up I ended up hitting it with a screwdriver and trying to I ended up getting a drill and I drilled it and twisted it round and pulled it off when it came off, it came away underneath. Then I realised on the back of the tap, there's a, there's a, a lever which lifted up and down, which I didn't know. <laughs> All I had to do was read, right, it gets better, this. Right, so I couldn't get it back together. It was all hanging underneath, you know. So I thought, well, so I ring up the plumber, Ken. He's, this guy's great. And I said, I've made a right so-and-so of this, uh, this thing. Can. can you come and fix it for me? So we said, yes, I'll be able to make it during the week and I'll have a look at it for you. So I went, I went home then. And when I came back the following week, uh, uh, he hadn't done anything. So I left a note, by the way, saying, dear Ken, sorry about this. <laughs> See what you can do. So I rang him up. This will make you laugh. I rang him up last, last time I was there. I said, did you get a chance to have a look at the, uh, at the sink? The, the job I made. He said, "Yes, I came round. I had a look at it. 
went back out to my van to get a sledgehammer <laughs> to finish it off. Anyway, he said, I'll do it, he said, but he said, I'm very busy. I said, there's no hurry. But, uh, oh, God, he was funny. So that was my, that was my uh, effort. I, 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 I have a go at things, and, and that's it. I shouldn't bother. Well, I, I, I don't bother. have a go at things now, Don, and I'll tell you why. In Cornwall, we lived in a property where we had the, it was like on stilts. And one particular day, the garage doors uh, were open. The wind was blowing uh, and one of the doors down below smashed and all the glass broke and came out of the window and I, th- I thought then blimey if that had been one of the kids down there we could have had a nasty accident yeah. so um, I thought I've got to replace this door so I go or I went off jogging up the the uh, place I used to go jogging up on the way back I saw a place with a stack of doors so I went over and I looked at this door and I thought, yeah, that'll fit. And um, I, I carried it back. Uh, Anne says this part of the story is wrong because it's probably half a mile. But I still think I carried that back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always good for the story anyway. <laughs> so I carried the, the door back. Go. I went into the part of the house where the other one was sort of now hanging with window uh, smashed in and all that. So I'm trying to get the door off. And, of course, the sad fact of the matter is the paint was so sort of long resident that it was difficult to get the screws undone. So my answer to these kind of problems does involve a hammer. <laughs> so I've now got this... Um, door and i've smashed it eventually got it off i've got the other door and i've eventually got it and it's in position ready to go on and it doesn't fit (laughs) now for some reason i was convinced in my mind that doors were standard (laughs) (laughs) so i thought well yeah, I'll stick it on because it'll be like a, a saloon door and as the kids come in and out, yeah. they can play cowboys. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I, I was doing this and getting this door on and Anne came back. She'd been out shopping and she said, what are you doing? You know, so I explained because of this blooming door smashing, I didn't want any of the kids to get injured. Anyway, she said, look, I'm going to talk about double glazing now. She said... Uh, I want the whole house double glazed and I've been given a quote by this fella. Um, So anyway, I said, well, okay, ask him back. And as long as he includes a new door in the price, (laughs) I'll be interested. (laughs) Anyway, he gave her a door with a new quote and the door included. And we took the deal. It was the most expensive door I have ever been involved with in my whole life. <laughs> and shut, got, that, shut that door. Yeah. Well, and, and got a double glazing. We made a new friend because this guy did a great job for us and everybody was happy, but I had to pay for it in the long run. Anyway, what have you got, what have you got for me about Wales? Yeah, I went, as I say... I went to uh, Wales last week. I go try and get out there a few times. I've got this static. And um, 
you can in Wales you can gauge the weather because the, my status in Carnarvon is like on a hill so you can see over to Anglesey and you can see where the blue sky is so you just aim for there and most of the time it works you know and I, I sat I went over to Anglesey and I sat on the Menai Strait side of the island looking directly over the strait to Carnarvon where I was staying with the castle and everything so the other side of the Menai Strait and you know there wasn't a sound. I was the only one there. And the backdrop was the Snowdon Range. And Carnarvon and the castle was sort of lit up by the sun. And the Menai Strait was like a mirror. And I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, you, know, you can feed your soul. You know, it, it, absolutely gorgeous. Um, which, you know, I do like things like that. And I saw a programme. Uh, you mu which you must watch if you get a chance Julia Bradbury in Australia which was the same thing she was doing the uh, um, what, the, the Great, the, the, great the, Barrier Reef the Great Barrier Reef yeah and I, I thought yeah you see, see people don't appreciate how beautiful the planet is you know in in because I was the only one sitting in Anglesey, and I was watching this Julia Bradbury thing on the Great Barrier Reef, and I thought it looks fantastic, you know, and and a great program, well presented, and it was short, so you didn't get bored. It was half an hour, which is just nice, and of course she's very easy on the eye as well, <laughs> yes. you know. So I thought uh, I thought it was great, you know, but like. Things like that stick in your mind. I sat on a rock over the other side. I sat there for an hour, and I just looked over the, and I thought it's just, it was just beautiful. You know, it was, it was fantastic. But people don't seem to appreciate it. You know, oh, like we like to go to the alehouse. You know, in the afternoon. You know, we always go to the alehouse. Uh, listen, listen, Don. Two o'clock. You know, I, when you wrote that, uh, that you were near that place, uh, Bryn Shinkin. Shinken, uh, yeah. Now, th this brings back wonderful memories for me, which is probably why we get on so well, because I can relate to very, very much of what you say. I went down to uh, work, uh, for, uh, well, in fact, after the Hamilton um, closed and all the problems came, I got a job with Associated Biscuits, selling um, all the Associated Biscuits, Jacob's Crackers and Club Golf and all that sort of stuff around Anglesey. And um, I was the relief rep for Wales. And basically, I really, really love Wales. I really, really do enjoy, uh, as you're saying, looking at these beautiful places. Uh, I love Snowdon. I can remember going to a shop in Bethesda, and you look down at the Menai Strait, you know, and the lady from the shop, she was actually, uh, she didn't speak a lot of English. And her other friend in the shop, she said, you know, Mr. Tracy, he said, she said, come here, come here for a minute. So she took me to this stack of HP baked beans. And she said, do you know what? I, I stand here looking from the HP baked beans, from this stack of HP baked beans. I look down and I look at the foot of the Menai Suspension Bridge. She said, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous, she said. And you know what? Many times I've gone to the foot of the Menai Suspension Bridge and looked up. Do you know, I can't even see the bloody shop. Never mind the HP baked beans. 
<laughs> no, I love I love Wales. I, I always oh, have done. Um, I I fell in love with the 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 beautiful nature of uh, Snowdonia. I love the island of Anglesey, and I do actually like um, I do like the Welsh way of doing things. They are very tranquil. You know, they, they obviously have the critics, but then again. Lovely people. I'm half Welsh. Well, I, I, got, I got on very well. In fact, you know, I went to um, Carnarvon, to Tesco's in Carnarvon, and I wasn't selling anything. So the lady said, oh, do you speak any Welsh, Mr. Tracy? So I said, well, I don't actually. She said, well, she wrote down a few things. And so now my party piece is Baridar Sadaki, Mayanoa, Gaisus Cariad, Nadalic Clown, Dimpakio. So whenever there's any Welsh people about, and I know they don't speak Welsh. I always say that, and they're very <laughs> impressed. You know, little do they know what I'm saying, but you know, they're very impressed. Um, my, father, my father was Welsh, actually. Yeah. So I'm, I'm half Welsh. I love the place. I like the people. The people are lovely. Yeah. You know. So there you go. No, I I I was so lucky because uh, I was doing that job at a time uh, when Max Boyce was about. And the yeah, and yeah. the Welsh rugby team was absolutely phenomenal. So I'd go down. I I was working still as a DJ, but obviously not full time then. So I'd go up to the likes of Leighton Court and I'd do Sunday night. Get up first thing in the morning. Go right down the coast road to to Anglesey, and um, I got a job for I, a number of weeks actually, probably a couple of months. And the guy that did Anglesey was Willie Jones, Willie Owen. And um, you, each time I'd go to the uh, to, to the place, they'd say, Willie Owen, what, what's wrong with Willie? So we'd heard that he'd got um, sort of a mental problem. We don't know exactly what. So we didn't say that, obviously. But um, the ridiculous situation was he didn't have a phone. He lived down at um, Amluk and he didn't have a telephone. So for the area manager to telephone him, was the uh, he had to get a um, he had to send them a um, what were they called at the time you know when you said a telegram they had to send them a telegram to phone him up well I mean you've never heard anything so ridiculous in all your <laughs> life and I'd be going to the shops and um, the people would go oh Willie Owen is he mending his boat again <laughs> so he was obviously on some sort of a fiddle but I, I loved the job great yeah. gr- great memories love the place. Okay, Don, well, we have the song of the week. What do we got for this week? Yeah, this is a song off uh, an album I did a while back called Do Up Days. Um, It's now on, you can get it off my website, anybody, and it's now on uh, digital online so you can stream it. Uh, One of the songs uh, is dedicated to a chap I worked with who was an absolute delight called well, Bobby V. Everybody knows Bobby V. And um, I, I, I did two shows with him. I opened up for him on two shows. And do you know what? He was the nicest fella, the nicest guy you could possibly meet. Absolute lovely bloke. And I, I did the floral because I, I didn't do stand-up as such. And I was asked to do half an hour because the, the, the floral opened at half past seven and everyone was in. Bobby V's show started on the dot at 8 o'clock. It's just like film at the start of it. So they needed this half-hour filling, and I'd, I'd, you know, I'd never sort of actually done it before. I'd done solo work. So I thought, I'll go and do this. 
So I took my guitar and uh, I, I started off. I, I start. I sang a Bobby V song to start off, and I, I stopped halfway through and I said, "Hang on." picked this bit of paper up and said, I've got the wrong set list here. This isn't one of mine. Must be one of my supporting acts. Bobby V thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> the wrong set list. Anyway, what I used to do, I'd play a song, open up with a song, then crack a joke, or the other way around, crack a joke, then play a song, then crack a joke, then play a song. Because um, if you crack a joke and it doesn't go down, and then you crack another joke and it doesn't go down. You begin to die on your backside, so, as you well know. Yeah. So um, that's how I used to work it. I used to go on and, and I, I did one with him in Wales. Um, I opened for the show in Wales. I did two for him, one, one at the floor and one at the uh, North Wales Theatre. And I went on the stage with my guitar and I said, good evening, any, any Bobby, Van fan, Bobby V fans in? Of course, the, all the women were screaming, you know. And I said, well, you know, he's a yank. I said, I asked him the way, how to get here. And I said, you know, he's a yank. He hasn't got a clue. And, and the instructions he gave me, I ended up in Llanvai, Pulse, Gwyngilth, Gargara, Come and Droppel, Fantasilio, Go, Go, Go. Of course, this brought the house down in And I said, there must be a song there. And I sang the song. And I got all the, all the crowd trying to sing it. Anyway, I went through the act. It's because a long story short. And... I got chatting to him in the break. I absolute lovely guy. And he said, it's amazing. He said how, you know, he's just a voice and guitar and you had the whole crowd with you. I said, yeah, well, I said, you know, it's because I can do anything. Can't I can sing anything? You know, if the song isn't going down, I can change it. I haven't got a band to worry about. It's only me and the guitar. I said, I go into Delilah and they're all going to sing that. I said, you're stuck with Bobby V songs. I said, you know, they're all here to see you. But I said, you play some of the places I play. You wouldn't get out in one piece. And he was laughing his head off. But what a lovely fella. And, I, and just to round it off, I took some friends with me. And on the way out, I, I was, I, I said, nice to meet you, Bob and all that, left. And this friend of mine, a lady, she said, oh, I've got um, Chris Montez was on as well. And, and uh Johnny Preston. She said, I've got Chris Montez's autograph and Johnny Preston. I'm waiting for Bobby V's. I said, I'll come round the back. We'll sort of save hanging around. So we went round the back and Bobby V's leaning against the wall having a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I said, hey, Bobby, here's a fan of yours. He goes, oh, he puts the coffee on. He says, God, she's gorgeous. Gives her a big kiss. A big hug and a big kiss. And she said, I've been waiting since 1962 for that. Oh, what a great bloke. And, and she said, can you have your autograph? And he said, somebody get me a picture of Bobby V and a gold pen. And he said, signs his, you know, and I thought, what a lovely, lovely man. And sadly, he died, didn't he, a few yeah. years ago. But uh, an absolute privilege to play. So this, I thought, I'll write this song put on the Do Up album. And it's about a chap that meets a girl at the fairground. Uh, and, and he's doing well until they play a Bobby V song. And she starts swooning. So he realizes, you know, she lo she loves Bobby V and not and not him. You know, that, that's basically what the song says. So there you Lovely. go. There's the story of Bobby V. Gave me a smile We 
noticed how her eyes lit up and she began to swoon As the jukebox started playing rubber ball It was 1963 How wrong could I be? I thought she Which came as no surprise I did my best to look like I could care And all his pictures on her wall Which made me realize This had to be the shortest love affair It was 1963 Thank you.